<coughs> well, it is December, as I said uh, before, and December means that Christmas is officially coming. If you are one of these people who loves Christmas time, when you enter into December, you have freedom to, uh, to delve into the Christmas spirit as much as you would like to. There are Christmas trees now going up. Shops are busy. Christmas parties are happening. There are presents being bought. Christmas movies are being watched. I watched my first Christmas movie of the year recently, just this past week, and Christmas music is playing. Now, for me, I feel like Christmas music is the first thing out of all of these different things that helps us know that Christmas is coming. Just picture you're walking through Kmart in early November. You're going through the homeware section and you're thinking, I'm going to do some early Christmas shopping, but instead you end up in this homeware section trying to look for something for yourself and then suddenly on the radio, you hear Michael Bublé's beautiful voice come across the airwaves and you hear him singing, it's beginning to sound or feel or whatever it is, like Christmas. I'm not Michael Bublé. So you don't want me to sing the, uh, the rest of that. But it's, although we hear this music in early November, sometimes late October through the shopping centres, it's not until we hit this point in December that we can really join with everyone else and embrace the Christmas festivities. It's in this moment when you get to December that you change over what you've been listening on uh, on Spotify and you move over to your Christmas playlist. On your Christmas playlist, you have all of your favourite songs that you can only bring out for just this one month every single year. And so you go hard over this month listening to your favourite Christmas songs. And in this series throughout December called Christmas Playlist, we're going to be looking at the meaning and the stories and the scriptures um, that are the foundations behind some of the most well-known carols that might be on your Christmas playlist. And tonight, uh, today, sorry, we're starting with what is probably my favourite Christmas song, which is O Holy Night. Now, I've always loved the song, O Holy Night. I've loved this carol, um, but there was a certain point in my life that my love for this carol went even deeper. And the reason that my love for this song went even deeper is because of a certain version of this song I heard that made me understand the grandeur of what this song could sound like. And I'm going to show you a clip of why I love this song so much. He taught us to love one another. His love and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall
that's exactly how I would have done it. <laughs> Very impressive voice. That is a guy called David Phelps who did some singing with, uh, with Bill Gaither and many others during, uh, during his singing career. Now, the part of the reason I've always loved this song, Oh Holy Night, was for the reason that you can see just then, the, uh, the tune has a whole heap of grandeur and awesomeness. The music is quite majestic in his nature, and I've probably, um, I've listened to this song over and over again, just appreciating the music behind this song. But one of the things I've probably spent less time uh, looking at when it comes to the song, Oh Holy Night, is the lyrics of this song. And when I've stopped and simply read the lyrics of this song, I've found the words far more impacting than simply listening to a nice tune. And I just want to read the lyrics quite plainly for you right now of Oh Holy Nights. Oh Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Saviour's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appears and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angel voices, O night divine, O night when Christ was born, O night, O holy night, O night divine, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord I praise his name forever, his power and glory evermore proclaim, his power and glory evermore proclaim. These two verses, there's also a third verse, but these two verses I just read to you are inspired by two different sections throughout the book of Luke. The first verse, the first stanza, is, uh, is inspired by Luke 2, verses 1 to 21, which is the Christmas story when Christ first came to earth. And then in Luke 4, um, which is where the second stanza is inspired by, this is where we see Jesus beginning his ministry and declaring his mission here on earth. Now, being a song with lyrics like what we have just seen, being a song with lyrics that echo scripture so profoundly makes us think automatically that surely this song must have been written by a very devout, very committed Christian person. But for a time, O Holy Night was actually banned by the church. And a lot of the reason that O Holy Night was banned by the church was because of the people who wrote O Holy Night. There were four people who were key to uh, writing and distributing the song O Holy Night. And the first one was a French poet named, I'm, I'm giving my French the best guy I can here, but Placide Capot. Placide Capot, we'll say it like that. 
He was a commissioner of wines in, uh, in 1847. Now, this man, Placide Capo, he was not involved with the church at all. In fact, he was a uh, self-pronounced atheist, but his poetry in the town that he lived in was the thing that made him very well known in the town that he was in. And the priest of this town came to Placide Capo in, uh, in this time, and he asked him to write a poem for their, uh, their Christmas Mass. Placide agreed, and he opened up a Bible to the book of Luke, which is where this song is inspired by. He opened up to the book of Luke. He imagined the night that Jesus had been born, and he began to write a poem called Cantique de Noël. Once again, apologise if there are any French people joining us, particularly online. <laughs> then Placide, what he decided to do was put this poem to music. And so he approached someone, a second person called Adolphe Adam, to put this poem to music. Now, Adolphe Adam, Adam once again, was not a Christian person. In fact, he was a devout Jew. He did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so here you have an atheist and a Jew who are coming together to write this song called O Holy Night. And then after the music was put to this song, three weeks later, it was sung at this uh, Christmas mass in the town where it first originated. And this song exploded with popularity until people discovered who it had been written by and then opinions about O Holy Night began to shift dramatically because the church's stance then became that the official stance was that O Holy Night lacked musical taste and it demonstrated a total absence of the spirit of religion. O Holy Night apparently lacks musical taste, according to the, uh, the, the official church stance back then. But years later, the song began to uh, come back into popularity because there was a third person who was involved with the song. There was someone called John Sullivan Dwight who was an abolitionist at this time and he discovered this song, O Holy Nights. And his love for the song began to increase particularly because of what he saw in the second stanza, which speaks of the slave becoming our brother. And so this man, John Sullivan Dwight, he translated this song into English, and then suddenly, for a second time, the song began to explode with popularity. Fast forward then a little bit later <coughs> to 1906 we have a fourth person involved with this song called Reginald Fessenden, a university professor and a, uh, a former colleague of Thomas Edison, who did something extremely significant on Christmas Eve in 1906. He, uh, he came up with a new type of generator and uh, Reginald Fessenden spoke into a microphone and for the first time ever a voice was broadcast through the airwaves. So all of these uh, ships who would use different coded messages to communicate things through the airwaves, they were able to suddenly hear a voice through the airwaves, which was something completely unheard of at this time. And the first words to be sent through the airwaves ever was 
the Gospel of Luke, the foundation for this song, in particular, chapter 2, the story of Jesus' birth. And after Reginald Fessenden had finished reading from the book of Luke, he picked up his violin and then he began to play O Holy Night. And so the first words ever spoken through the airwaves was from the book of Luke, and the first song ever played through the airwaves was O Holy Night. This is a very significant song and has a very rich history. But this song is not just significant because of the different players and the different people involved with making it happen. Rather, I would say that a lot of the, um, the, lot of the significance of this song was due to, the, uh, due to the culture and the situations that it was written into. So you have lines like, Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. And this was written and being distributed widely at the time of the Civil War in America. In 1871, tradition tells us that during the Franco-Prussian War, there were soldiers who sang O Holy Night across the trenches to one another, which caused a 24-hour ceasefire. So you have combatants here in the Franco-Prussian War who were singing lines to one another, such as, Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. So the words in this song have spoken um, profoundly, have impacted lives profoundly over the past 150 years. And it's not just because it speaks of the birth of Jesus at Christmas time, but because it speaks to the eternal impact that the birth of Jesus makes. The lyrics of this song, as I've said before, they were not just thought up randomly, but they were inspired by the very words of Scripture. Verse 1 by Luke 2, 1 to 21, and verse 2 by Luke 4, 14 to 21. And today, what I'd love to do uh, in the rest of the time we have available is go back to the source or the foundation of verse 2 of O Holy Night, which is such a culturally transformative verse, and see the foundation, which is in the very words of Jesus himself. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke 4, 14 to 21. <coughs> It'll be up there on the screen as well. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee... In the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened to him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So what you have here 
is Jesus effectively sharing his personal mission statement with the entire world. The whole reason that Jesus came was to fulfill this, to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And here, when Jesus finishes all of this by saying, this is fulfilled today in your hearing, he is quoting the prophecies that come all the way back in Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 58. But the one central truth I want to bring out today um, in our time together that I want to bring out from all of these different passages, from Luke 14, uh, 4, 14 to 21, from Isaiah 58, and also Isaiah 61, is this one truth that is consistent through all of them, and that is that Jesus came to bring good news to the oppressed. It's the one thing for, uh, for us to remember today. Jesus came to bring good news to the oppressed, this is central to Jesus' mission here on earth. We see it in, the, uh, uh, in what we just read of, uh, of Jesus um, uh, in Luke 4. Um, this is central to the prophecies that Jesus is quoting here as well. In Isaiah 58, verse 6, it is not, uh, the, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Then later in Isaiah 58, verse 10, if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf, on, in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the, press, the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Both of those passages that I just read you is what Jesus is quoting here in, uh, in Luke 4. Now, when I first read words like this, I can find it very easy to think of oppression as something that is nowhere near me. Um, for myself personally, I could honestly say I have probably not faced a huge amount of oppression in my life. And yet for many of you who are joining with us uh, this morning, either in person or online, many of you who have even come from other countries, I've heard your stories, uh, you've shared with me about you've come, how you've come here because you've escaped oppression that you have experienced. I have an, uh, an elderly friend who... Um, who spent most of his life in what used to be Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe, and this man was a very successful lawyer. Um, but unfortunately, he was forced to flee uh, uh, Zimbabwe. There, and, um, and when he fleed Zimbabwe, he left his life savings behind. He escaped to South Africa, um, and he eventually got out of there to come here to Australia. And after he came here to Australia, he effectively had to start again in his late 60s. But I would say that oppression is not something that just happens overseas in faraway lands. There is oppression that happens here, even right now, within our own society, and it's going on all the time. I sat with a lady a few years ago who told me all about um, her difficulties um, as she had to flee and, uh, an abusive husband who was abusive to her and also to her two young children. So what is 
the good news for someone like her? What is the good news for people who are oppressed all over the world? What is the freedom that Jesus brings for the oppressed in our world? Let's put it more plainly. How does a holy night on Christmas, when Jesus was born, impact people around the world today who are dealing with abuse, slavery, famine, dictatorships, etc.? There are a couple of different ways that I think Jesus came to bring freedom for the oppressed. The first one to be something many of us already are aware of. The first way that Jesus came to bring freedom for the oppressed is knowing that one day, one day Jesus, the righteous, just one, is going to come back to this world and make everything right. All oppression will finally cease. There will be ultimate freedom from oppression. The aspects of God's character that are often brought out in these passages in Isaiah that, um, that Jesus is quoting, um, the uh, aspects of his character that are referenced often are his righteousness and his justice. And it's because of these aspects of his character that we know that one day Jesus will make everything right when he comes again. No more slavery, no more sin, no more difficulty for people in this world. But I don't think that's all that Jesus is saying when he speaks about setting the, um, the oppressed free. Jesus was followed for three years by his disciples, and his disciples um, acknowledged him as their rabbi, which was their teacher. And the job of, uh, of disciples was not just to hang out with their, with their teacher or learn some good teachings from them. It was to emulate their rabbi, to copy him. And my, um, my belief is that Jesus intended that his followers were not just to follow him in word, but to take on his mission for themselves in their world today of setting the oppressed free. Let me say it like this. Our job in this world is to alleviate and eliminate spiritual suffering. And we do this by sharing the gospel and seeing people respond. But our job is also to alleviate and eliminate, where possible, physical suffering wherever we can, to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Ultimately, it's a part of our job as followers of Jesus to follow him and be Jesus' advocates for the oppressed here in our world. And there is no shortage of ways that you are able to do that. You are able to do that in a very um, small but significant way after our service here today. Go out to the tear fund stall, buy all of the tier fund things that they have there. Buy all of them. Every single one of us can buy something there today and help people overseas who are going through significant hardship in their life. We can support children through compassion. We can contribute to the work of Eagle's Wings and Mercy International. There are no shortage of ways that we are able to help to bring freedom for the oppressed in our world and be advocates for the oppressed in our world. And so what we're going to do right now, I'm just going to invite the team to come on up 
And we're going to sing O Holy Night right now, not just as the Christmas carol that many of us would usually sing this as, but also as a song of worship to God (coughs) and as a response to what Jesus calls us to be in this world, to be advocates for the oppressed in our world. And so, Jesus, we thank you for the example that you set for us in Scripture. We thank you for the way that you loved the least of these. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to set the oppressed free. And Lord, I really do ask that you will help us as a church to be people who will be advocates for the oppressed in our world. help us to be people who love one another, who seek the gospel of peace? Would you help us to be people who embrace everyone as our brother? Lord, we look forward to that day when all oppression one day will cease. Oh, Jesus, we thank you that because of your birth, That makes all of this possible because of the holy night of when you were born. That makes a difference for us right here, right now. And so stir our hearts for the things that that you want our hearts stirred for. Help us to think about others uh, during this Christmas season.